Hey, it's Deep Focus. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. We are going back to 2015, December 8th. Don McKenzie in the studio with me. And our topic is Last Exit. I was thrilled to do this one. Don McKenzie is uh, an old road dog buddy of mine. We were on tour together years ago. And he is an extremely dynamic character as you're probably discovering listening to this and uh as a musician and as a guy to talk about music with and uh, just about any other way you could think of and um i was i asked him i invited him to do the show what do you want to talk about he picked last exit that's a band that's very close to my heart i spent a lot of time with them i booked shows for them i toured with them and as individuals i love all the music that they make and as a group there were things that happened the energy that flowed off the stage when these guys were together that was just unmatched by anything before or since so yeah this is a good night if you didn't hear part one go check that one out if you haven't subscribed to the show do that If you want to find out more, follow us along on Instagram. You can also go to my website, uh, mitchgoldman.com. Pull down the Deep Focus tab and you'll get a few more doodads about the show. Part two. Here we go. Tony Williams. Philly Joe. Philly Joe. Philly Joe. Philly Joe. But, 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 you know, Billy Cobham had this, this drum corps background. So everything he did was so precise, you know what I mean? It's just you listen to this guy, and and I just saw Billy. Uh, my lady took me to uh, see Billy at the Blue Note the last time he came yeah. around. You know, he's older now, he's, but he's still got it. He did deep focus with me. Oh yes, 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 yes. yes yeah. <laughs> we had a blast. Yeah, man, Billy. Billy's... Talking about uh, Tony Williams oh, was yeah. his his guy that he wanted to talk about. He, he, wow. And, and talk he did. He, he he picked that. Yeah. He picked, he picked Tony Williams, and guess the other drummer that he picked. Take one guess. Take oh, one guess. Man. I couldn't find any. We didn't end up doing the show on this guy. Uh, Eric Gravanta. That's a good guess. Buddy Rich. Buddy Rich, really? That was his guy. Really? Well, yeah, but Buddy, which makes sense when you think about it. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But Tony and Billy. I mean, my main influences on drums is Tony, is Tony. Tony Williams and Billy Cobham. Billy opened up a lot for me when when I saw him leading with the left hand on the ride cymbal in the hi-hat. That just, I think I started playing like that, and, and, it, and I did that for about five, six years. Then I went back to crossing over. But when once you develop that type of muscle memory with the left hand, you always have it. So even now, when I'm playing on my china, I have a China on the left side near my left ear, which is why my left ear is going deaf. <laughs> but you, you, I, uh, you know, you, you, I, I ride with my left hand, and I think, and I, and Billy opened up those possibilities of being able to do anything with any limb. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and and it, that's what that was a major influence for me. I mean, I mean, to this day, every you listen to Dennis Chambers, you listen to. Simon Phillips, you listen to, you know, Lenny White, you listen to all these guys, and and everybody has a little bit of Cobham. Yeah. A lot of rock drummers, and, you know, you, you know, even, 
my contemporaries like Ronald uh, Ronald Bruner Jr. and uh, um, Matt Garska, and you know, we're all influenced by by um, Billy Cobham. Totally, totally impeccable, refined style, and and refinement in, in, in as far as composition wise. I mean, Jeff Beck does Stratus in his concerts, yeah, which was Billy Cobham's song, you know. And, um, but, but, uh, getting back to Shannon, it's just that, that Shannon was a big deal. I remember reading, a uh, while I was on the road, we used to go, I used to go to various music stores and, uh, there, uh, drum, there's a magazine called Drum, Drums and Drumming. I don't even think they're in print anymore. And I, and I, I remember seeing uh, a Shannon interview. He was on the cover. You see, it's sort of deep because Shannon was never on domestic uh, music covers. But not, he, a not, not, not a lot. Not, not, not nearly a lot. enough. Not yeah. nearly enough. Absolutely, but not, not, not where I could see them. And and you know, it was all only always Neil Peart. You know, yeah. Tommy Lee, Tommy Aldridge, and and those guys on the covers. And, and but. Uh, uh, overseas, he was on a lot of covers, and he was w- well respected. And I and I remember picking up this magazine. It could have been London, I, I don't know, uh, but but it it had a great picture of his drum set, and I was like, oh man, this guy is hip. You know, he, he, this he, he had the big sonar drums, the peisty cymbals, peisty roods, like what I was yes. saying before. Piesty Roods, so Piesty Roods are like maybe is a, what they would call their rock symbol. Very thick, very sharp sounding. So you start writing on that, you're cutting through, you're cutting through Bill Laswell, you're cutting through <laughs> Sonny's, Sonny's guitar, people are gonna hear that ride symbol, you know what I mean? And, and that's what he wanted. Yeah. They wanted that same volume and intensity and energy that you can get going to a Metallica concert or a Slayer concert. You notice anything about the way he set his drums up? Uh, well, uh, yeah, the two bass drums, which is what I, I do too, two different size bass drums. Yeah. Uh, from from the pictures, from uh, there's a few pictures I see. He had used a 14 by eight, which is a deep snare drum, sonar snare drum. Um, Big rack toms. I think his smallest was. Uh, I don't think he used the eight. I, I, I'm trying to think that maybe he started at 12, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 18 floors. 20, um, yeah, well, 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 Mitch, <laughs> Mitch knows those drums because he set those drums up. I did. Yeah. Night so. after night. Well, three, I think it was three rack toms, two floor toms. Okay, 16, 18. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but the thing I was going to say, he was so particular about the way he set them up, the relationship among the drums. They were, it was tight, super tight, the way everything fit together. That, like, the symbol, when the symbol swung, it would just clear the edge of the, of the floor tom. That oh, yeah. Okay. And the stands... You know, everything was built around the right foot kick drum, right? And the snare drum 
uh, stand was immediately next to the drum pedal, right? Mm -hmm. And the floor tom, the first floor tom, which was the bigger floor tom, was the leg of that was immediately next to the other side of the drum, the kick drum pedal. And everything was like that, like lockstep tight. Yes, yes. And he would, I remember walking into venues with him and, uh, you know, I might say, oh, you know, this drummer, everybody's talking about this guy, you should check him out. Shannon would go, he can't play. You're like, well, what are you talking about? You haven't even heard him play. He's like, I can look at his drums. I can tell you he can't play. <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know, I could sort of see where he's coming from. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't know. I'm not saying he's wrong or right, but I remember him saying stuff like that. And he, because he, everything, every bit of excess, every bit of illusion had been squeezed out of what he did. I think that's part of the residue of that 10 hours a night. Yes. And, you know, sometimes with calling rehearsals, getting the band in there and playing, working on music, and if that wasn't going to happen, he would go and do it on his own. And, and you know, when you hear him play, when you see him play, when you hear him play, and, you know, you, you have this sense that it's it's been cooked down mm. to its essence. But it's like things like that, I think, is part of where that comes from, where that sense comes from. Yeah, yeah. No, well, I, the thing you're talking about with, with uh, having everything really close together, I do that as well. I mean, I, my floor tom, my 14 floor tom is, I could just barely fit my leg between the snare drum and the 14 floor tom because it's economy of movement. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. If you're doing a three-hour concert, you can't really, you know, yeah, be stretching and and stuff. You you try to get you try to get everything as close as possible, and also you try to be, you try to always stand up, uh, sit straight with your back straight, mm -hmm. and then you just the easiest thing to do should be hitting the snare drum, bass drum, and hi hat. It should be just natural, boom, and and you shouldn't have to stretch for any of those things. So and uh, so I. I and that only comes like again being in your studio, and then you move stuff around. You know, my an hour in, you might say, you know what, I this this tom, why do I have this tom over there and I could barely reach it? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So so you start bringing things closer, closer. So as soon as you f feel it psychologically to hit something, to strike something, to get a sound. Your body can move very easily to, to to execute, and that's 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 another th another reason why I love Shannon. <laughs> you are listening to WKCR. I'm Mitch Goldman. My guest tonight, Don McKenzie. We call this show Deep Focus, and our focus is on the supergroup. That's a weird word that kind of got overused and horribly distorted in its meaning. But I'm using it for the specific reason that this to me is a super group. Yeah, yeah. Because it's an ensemble of each of them in their own right, a leader, a composer, mm -hmm. uh, and creator. So, uh, and uh, they're equals on the bandstand. I think it's pretty clear. <laughs> Peter Brotzman, Sonny Chirac, Bill Laswell, Ronald Shannon Jackson. They, I don't remember them ever having a rehearsal. They'd go and hit. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we, should we play? I think we should go back to yeah. Tom Pere. You want to? You don't? Oh, you don't want to jump around? We could. You know, I think we got to go with the deep focus concept. 
zero in, man. This is a cool hit. <laughs> okay, okay. They didn't. Well, first of all, it's a okay. it's a successful recording. I could quibble with uh, the mix a little bit, but you know you can hear everybody, which I think is great. Also, seeing where they choose to go is very interesting to me. Uh, there's not a lot of it left, and yeah, let's stay on. Let's stay on it. Yeah. Why not? And um, and I like hearing the way these guys put a set together, which was very different from night to night. You know, and, and how the different voices of the four of them emerge. Mm-hmm. We got yeah. Let's let's listen. We got to talk about Bill too. After yes, we got well. a lot of a lot of Bill Laswell <laughs> stories coming. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, we're going back to Tampere, November first, nineteen eighty-six. The band last exit on WKCR. Thank you. 
that was Ronald Shannon Jackson. Yeah. Saying his piece. He did the vocal earlier in the set as well. And uh, they don't want to let them go. They don't want to let them leave Finland. Tampere, University of Tampere. The Tampere Jazz Happening, November 1st, 1986. Well, a question for you, Don, as a, uh, as a band leader and drummer. The idea of a group sound. This group's got a sound. When you hear it, these voices are individual and distinctive, but um, just hearing this band play, it's kind of unmistakable. Not, not every group has that, but uh, you hear what I'm hearing? Is yeah, you, yeah, you? Well, I mean, getting a group sound is, is key if you want a, a group situation uh you want to be cohesive but you when you pick a group if you're in that position to pick members you do it like you're making a soup you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's like a, uh it, and it's something that that cannot be underestimated uh because you might say you might like this drummer say if you're a, ba- a guitar player you might like this drummer and then you might like this bass player but those two two guys might clash musically. You like them, you like the drummer for, for what he does in another uh, another uh, venue, you know what I mean? And, right. then, and then you like the bass player for something else, so you put them together and it doesn't work, and that happens all the time. And so I, I, think, I think great leaders know how to put those those ingredients together. Mm-hmm. You know, you put your time in, you put the, uh, you put the, uh, Yes, your um, cayenne pepper and mm-hmm. so, that, so it's so it's it's like you know, you put you know, how much how many beans you want to put in how much what kind of meat if you if you go too heavy on one thing it'll mess the whole the whole uh, soup mm-hmm. up so you got to know you got to know how to what to do and and sometimes sometimes it works splendidly like this sometimes it doesn't work so well Miles Davis was was great with. Uh, with putting his groups together, mm-hmm. he was he was he was tremendous. Uh, you know, uh, I think a group like Living Color is like uh, incredible. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. Uh, I I remember Vernon Vernon talking to me about uh, the different drummers they went through. Oh yeah. To get to Will. Oh yeah. Oh, I remember it, all it, of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but because yeah. uh, and 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 I don't want to name those guys, but. All of those guys are great drummers. Yeah. All of those guys well, are great yeah, drummers. I mean, but yeah. you put Will in with that original thing with Muzz and Vernon and Corey, and it just it just gelled. You know who is a huge fan of Will Calhoun? Me? <laughs> <laughs> Another thing you have in common with Ronald Shannon Jackson. Shannon loved Calhoun's playing. Loved, really? Loved Calhoun. The last conversation I had with Shannon, I think Will is gonna. I should text him. I think I don't know if I have. I don't. I haven't seen him since Shannon died, which was I I think uh, I think right about two years ago, and um, I'd gone and seen him in the hospital a couple times, Mm -hmm. a few times, and um, you know he didn't really talk a lot about 
didn't talk a lot about other musicians. He didn't talk. You wouldn't walk into his house and he'd have, you know, a Mingus record on or something. Mm-hmm. He was quiet in his house or you might be listening to something that he had done. Yeah. He never really, you know, I mean, for not good or bad. That but I noticed that, that a lot of the great musicians uh, I know, you go to the house and it's silent. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I think it might be your ears. You just want to rest your ears yeah. when you go home. You go to Cecil's house and there's never any music on. Cecil Taylor, yeah. Cecil Taylor. You go to Cecil's house and, and, and you're watching CNN. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. You're watching the news. Yeah. No, if you put on a record that he like uh, that he's on, <laughs> yeah. he'll tell you to take that yeah. thing off. Yeah. You yeah, that's I mean? how that's how Shannon was. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean and and my my house or whatever, you know, it's no music. No music at all. But, Not unless I have to really study <clears throat> something or I get in a groove, but but I could see I could see that. But well, but he liked Will. So well, t- t- yeah, t- the t- last t- time that, that I saw him I got a story about Will too, but yeah. <laughs> in the hospital he was talking about He's talking about drummers that he loved, and uh, Will was one of them. I mean, he was talking about, he mentioned Philly Joe, as a matter of fact. He said, uh, he was talking about, he was saying that, uh, he said a drummer, he said he's got a, his job is to put his boot up somebody's behind. Yes. And kick, kick, kick. He said, if you're not doing that, you are not playing the drums. And that's why he loved Philly Joe, he said, and and like he just stopped. He was like, Will Calhoun, like he's got it. He knows. Yeah, he's Will, great. Will definitely. Has. <laughs> I gotta thank Will. I mean, I'm I'm with Mapex now, the drum company, and Will was the one that really orchestrated that because Will is with Mapex, and and Will has always been very, very, very complimentary to me and and helped me in many ways. He's giving me symbols, give you know tons of stuff, and you know Will, Will's not the Will's a little tight, but but, <laughs> but but Will is giving me countless things, and 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 if I needed a little uh, prodding or pushing, Will is Will has pulled pull me aside and said stuff, you know Will and he, but like I said, that album Vivid mm-hmm. blew my mind. Yeah. Is yeah. a black rock group, and then they had the they had they sounded great as a like a just in a straight rock fashion, you know. But then you listening, you're listening, and then they're doing they're throwing in their little jazz inflections, and and, and it's just well, all of them. I mean, I mean, yeah, man. like well, kind of like uh, our group, Last Exit, that we're talking about, yeah. <laughs> But also, this is another group where you've got four big personalities, each with their own stuff going on outside the band. Um, absolutely, let me encourage listeners to check out Will Calhoun. You might well, know him from Living Color, but he's got a whole bunch of other things that he's getting into musically and otherwise. Yeah, and he could solo his ass off. I mean, he, yeah, yeah, he's uh, somebody to to really check out if you're if you're enjoying this music and this show. Check out Will Calhoun. Yeah, there's a couple sure. of new albums come, came, that came out recently. So, oh well, people can Google. Google. Well, um, what yeah. else emerges for you listening to Last Exit? What uh, does it strike you that um, you know? And we were talking about these guys having this, this kind of like myth making around them, but uh, 
I don't know. I mean, there's a part of me that says you can really let that go now, years later, and just listen to the music on its own terms, the improvisation and the mm-hmm. the voices, and it's it's powerful, beautiful music. Yeah. Well, I, I it's if you didn't know anything about those characters and you put it and you put it on, uh, you could you could do that. But then if you know them individually, because uh, like they're all individual leaders. You know them individually. Sorry about that. Okay. Get closer to the That's mic. Right. Uh, if you know them individually, you, 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 start to, you start to put it together in your head and you're like, oh, man, this is Bill Laswell that produced the Public Image Limited album. Yeah. So he has, uh, you know, he has, he has that punk rock thing in his in his uh, vocabulary and uh, and repertoire and on the bass and then, you know, Shannon. And so it, it, we it, can't it leave start, Sonny Chirac out. So, yeah, I keep. I mean, yeah, we keep we keep leaving. We barely him out. talked about him. Yeah, we, we keep leaving, <laughs> leaving him out. He's such know. a powerhouse guitar player. Yeah, I, you know what? I I read somewhere that that people were saying. Uh, I hate to say that people were saying, but uh, he was talked about in the same rarefied air is like Jimi Hendrix. Seriously. Yeah, well, he was I mean, contemporary he, he of was, Hendrix. Yes, and, he, and people, the same way people, people are really Hendrix devotees, there's a whole group of people that, that feel the same way about Sonny Chirac. Yeah, you know yeah, no, I mean? he, he and, yes, yeah. and uh, I mean, he also, he's one of those people, I mean, guitar, electric guitar is a young instrument, but yes. there's really, and uh, we can think of quite a few people who've charted their own course, but to the extent that Sonny Chirac did it, mm-hmm. there aren't a lot of players that, you know, just kind of picked that ball up with it and ran downfield. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm, you can come or you can stay where you are, but I'm gone. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he could, uh, you know, he could carry this show all by himself. Mm-hmm. Any one of these four guys could. Yeah. I mean, and then, then he. Um, if you listen to "Ask the Ages," just his writing. Yes. Those are some. Those are some beautiful melodies. On yeah, there, man. It's like, I mean, uh, dare I say, like Wayne Shorter worthy. You know what I mean? Just, yeah. uh, just some of those. Uh, when when I listen to Wayne Shorter, you know, uh, you hear you hear the way he puts these chords together, and you're like, oh man, how could he come up with that? If you listen to Ask the Ages, you listen to some of that, and you're like, oh, how can you come up with that? Well, you know, also along those lines, Sonny Schrock didn't really see himself as a guitar player. He'd really? say, like, yeah, I really, I wanted to be a saxophonist. You know, I just have this other, you know, I got this other axe in my hands, but no, I'm a saxophonist. I'm just playing it on this six string, but I'm really playing the saxophone. Really? Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, That yeah, makes yeah. total sense. That makes total sense. You know, it's it's... Once again, you guys should pick that album up, Ask the Ages. Yes, yes, Sonny Chirac, Ask the Ages. And he and there's a real, uh, you know, it's interesting. Maybe there's something you could talk about, too. Um, a four-member group. Four is an interesting number of an ensemble of people. Mm-hmm. Three, three is a really interesting number. Trios are very interesting. And, uh, you know, uh, three points determine a plane. You add that fourth person and you've got, different axes now and different ways this thing can move around. There's a real, 
they are a band. There's a real affinity between Shannon and Laswell, I think, in the, as a rhythm section. And there's a real affinity that I hear musically and personally between Holtzman and Chirac, saxophone wow. and guitar. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's another useful way of... Maybe some people are having a hard time finding their way into this, hearing this music. Mm-hmm. This might sound be difficult because it's not conventional song structure necessarily. Well, I, I mean, you got to... My thing is that if you want easy, then you should listen to Taylor Swift. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, you know, who who wants to be easy? You want to, you want to, you know, you want to, you want to make music that maybe on the first listen you don't really get. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think, uh, like when I first heard Inner Mountain Flame, mm-hmm. I didn't get it at all. I was like, well, this is a mess. Yeah, but then now that's one of the greatest albums I've ever. Mahavishnu Orchestra. Yeah, Mahavishnu Orchestra. Mm-hmm. So, so, so it, it might it might come off it, that it, this music might come off like that to some people. Just you got you have to listen to it over, over and over, and then maybe maybe orally pick out something in the music. Maybe just listen to the bass drum. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? Or yeah. maybe just listen to Sunny. And and uh, and and sort of psychologically tune tune those other things backwards and listen to that and then maybe it, maybe it'll be more palatable to you know, to you. So I have a treat for you. Yeah, that was uh, the show from Tampere. Okay, as, as we said, it's a, it's a short set. That's what they, these guys come. They bring it. Mm-hmm. It's like a flower unfolding and showing its leaves, and then that's it. That's the show. Um, We have a brief moment of a show they did in Leverkusen, Germany. Have you been to Leverkusen? Not far from Cologne. I'm sure I have. I'm sure you have. Um, Let's check that one out. Just got this one little chunk of it. I mean, this stuff, this, uh, all the music we're playing tonight is not commercially released. This is from, uh, I think these first two are both from radio broadcasts, and uh, we are very appreciative of the fact that somebody actually taped it off the radio. Yeah, managed to record it, and then somebody recorded it from the radio, and it made it here to WKCR. But um, yeah, these are these are exquisitely rare. But if you're enjoying this music, you can find Last Exit Recordings. They made a number of albums, and uh, I'm not sure what is or is not in print at the moment. But Bill just gave me one. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'd have to look on the computer. He gave me one the other day of the session. Is that that a release? I think this. It, they only have one commercial release. No? They had one studio recording. Yes, I think that's it. And then a number of live recordings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have to take a look. But well, we are going to go to Leverkusen. It's the same group. It's um, it's Peter Potsman, Sonny Chirac, saxophone, guitar. Bill Laswell on bass, Ronald Shannon Jackson on drums. Our guest tonight for Deep Focus, Don McKenzie. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you about uh, your musical association with Bill Laswell. I have a feeling there's, there's some unturned stones there. <laughs> Absolutely. Meanwhile, let's get on the WKCR jetpacks. We're off to Leverkusen.
last exit. Oh, I hope you're not just joining us because you're listening to WKCRFM New York. I'm Mitch Goldman. We call this show Deep Focus and we've been, we're two hours deep in it. So yeah. if you're just coming on board now, you missed a bunch, but you got some great stuff ahead of you because uh, the subject of the Deep Focus is that band, Last Exit, which we'll tell you about in a moment. But the focuser is the great Don McKenzie here in the studio. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. And, uh, Thanks. Yeah, if you are just uh, coming along, deep uh, deep focus. Last exit is Peter Brotzman on the saxophone, yeah. Sonny Chirac on the guitar, Bill Laswell right up front there on the bass, Ronald Shannon Jackson holding it down on the drums, and uh, he, you know, Shannon could hold that, that lock on that beat. He could just sit there 
and hold that down all day long. <laughs> I mean, that's what that's what happens when you practice. <laughs> Repetitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get out. You, you know. One of our themes tonight: practicing, practice, practicing practice. your intru- instrument, whatever instrument it is. If it, I mean, practicing your art or repetitive uh, processing of whatever you're doing. Uh, I mean, that's the only way you can become great at anything, you know. And 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 uh, I, I think I read somewhere that uh, Coltrane once would practice December 8th 2015 me and Don McKenzie talking about the band Last Exit what a joyride this one is all right uh that was part two I'll see you over part three it's Deep Focus